Welcome into A Cowboy Life, the storytelling podcast, presented by our friends at Smoothie King, blending goodness to fuel your greatness. I'm Brady Tinker. This week's story is about a man who played his first nine years in the NFL wearing a Dallas Cowboys jersey. Everson Walls was an undrafted free agent from Grambling when he arrived at training camp in 1981. The line of men trying to make the team at the cornerback position was long. His chances were slim. He had that something, though, that little something, and he quickly made friends with a veteran fullback who helped him learn to speak Landry. Ron Springs and Everson Walls became the best of friends, and after they both had retired and started a business together, well, suddenly, seemingly overnight, Ron was sick, and Everson, always the friend, was there to help. Please enjoy our story about two dear friends, two cowboys, always there for each other, Everson Walls, a kidney for a cowboy. His physical abilities were uh, waning a little bit. And when I say that, I mean even reading. You know, I know people, you know, sometimes they, their eyes go bad, but it just seemed to be so swift. And he was just, I don't know if he's being lazy or it just seemed like he was weak. When it comes to the game of football, time is an important thing. It's not just how long each quarter is or how long a scoring drive might be. Time can be how long a quarterback has to get the ball to receiver as he's running down the field, or how fast the center needs to hike a shotgun snap, and how long a receiver or running back has to run a route. Time is so valuable, in fact, that football teams have a specific number of instances in which they can actually completely pause a football game in a procedure referred to as timeout. Stop the game, we need to talk. And of course, time isn't just important in football, time is everything. It is the most valuable resource we have on this planet. It's worth more than food and water and all the riches money could ever buy. And the hard fact is our time is limited. We only get so much of it. So of course, it's what you do with the time that you have that really, truly matters. Today on A Cowboy Life, our story is about time. More specifically, it's about two men that forged the closest of friendships over time and how that time they spent together ultimately saved their lives. It's a story full of ups and downs and twists and turns that you probably won't see coming. And in all honesty, this one gets worse before it gets better. But it's a story we doubt you've heard before, one that sheds light on more than just the game of football. So please, settle in, because this is the story of teammates and friends to the end, Ron Springs and Everson Walls and their cowboy life. Ron Springs and Everson Walls are, of course, best known as Dallas Cowboys. But to be more specific, Ron was an unusually nimble and fast fullback with great hands. And Everson was a long, lanky cornerback that caught every errant pass thrown in his direction. And they played for the Dallas Cowboys from roughly 1979 to 1990, give or take. Our story today is almost exclusively from Everson Walls' point of view. You see, I host TV shows with Everson, and the two of us have become very good friends. So he was kind enough to join me on this new podcast that we we're grinding so hard on to talk about his friend, Ron Springs. So to kick things off, we'll just start with Ron, because while both men were rare talents at their positions, 
Ron Springs was weirdly talented and big and fast and a pass-catching fullback who was loaded with spirit, this spirit that life gave to him that was so infectious to everyone he was around. And did I sell it? So now you know why Ron's first. Ron came from Ohio. Ron was a, was a Williamsburg, Virginia. Yes. His speed, his strength, Size. and hands. For a fullback, he was a force coming out of the backfield. Yep, Ron was from Virginia and went to college at THE Ohio State University. But that wasn't why people knew him. The way Everson tells it, Ron had everything going for him. He's one of those guys, when he hit you, defensive lineman or linebacker, if you weren't ready, he would hurt you. He was no more than 215 pounds. He really wasn't built like a fullback, but he was so strong that they used him as a fullback because his speed and his strength brought a lot of force. Ron made his bones playing at Ohio State with a record that puts most college fullbacks to shame. He was a smaller man for the position, coming in at just six foot flat, and like Everson said, no more than 210 pounds. But he was tough, and he would take on anyone. And that slightly small frame for a fullback allowed him to be fast, albeit a non-traditional fullback, he was fast. A fullback for Tom Landry's trademark multiple set offensive system, where he had more than a few opportunities to run, catch, block, and do everything, even throw an option pass on occasion. That versatility made him a very valuable asset for the Cowboys. So no surprise, they scooped him up relatively early in the 1979 draft. My rookie year, Ron had 12 touchdowns. Mm. That's a lot of touchdowns for a fullback. Mm. Just no comparison. Yeah. Totally different types of fullback. So uh, to ignore that fact, I, I think is, it would be a tragedy. He should be remembered as one of the better athletes the Cowboys ever had, which is saying a lot for a team that prides itself on getting great athletes throughout history. True, and they also pride themselves on thinking outside the box. So Ron fit right in. The Cowboys signed him in the fifth round, and he started making an impact right away. A sprained ankle in 1980 kept him from being a starter, but in 81 he recovered and was officially named the starter at fullback for the Dallas Cowboys, which is where Everson Walls comes in. He loved teasing me about you know, my outlook on life, my pessimism, my rebelliousness. He loved teasing me about all of that because he was the chosen one. He'd never had the issues I had. And he loved to make fun of that. You see, Everson didn't grow up in a Virginia like Ron. He didn't grow to Ohio State. He grew up in Texas, just a couple of miles away from the Cowboys practice field. But in 1981, he got signed as an undrafted free agent by his hometown Cowboys, which apparently Ron Springs thought was friggin' hilarious. He made fun of everyone I was, and he got so bored with his roommates, Dorsett, Dennis Thurman, and uh, Robert Newhouse. Oh, those yeah. are famous roommates. But they were boring. They were boring. They, they, everybody, they had their own thing going on. There was no excitement. He had been with them for two years already. So now, we're the fresh blood. We come in, he would come over and, you know, I guess his jokes didn't work on them anymore. That's what it was. So he, we, he tried out his old material on us. And Ron was more than just a cut up. When he wasn't dominating on the field, he spent time socializing, always socializing and talking to the other players. And that supreme confidence permeated those interactions. He'd just walk right up to anybody. No holds barred. The man simply couldn't be tamed. So when a veteran player would tell him, hey Ron, stay in your lane, don't talk to the new kids, especially those that didn't even get drafted, he'd do it anyway. 
seemingly just despite his cranky and traditional teammates. Does he hang out with you guys? Well, mostly he, he make us drive. <laughs> we because, had to drive him everywhere. As a, as a rule in those days, the veterans, especially early, you hadn't made the team yet. The no. veterans don't hang out with rookies, no. right? A hundred rookies come and go every year. They don't need to know your name. His roommates would tell him, Ron, you need to stop going over there messing with those rookies because then you're going to be sad when they all get cut because they're all getting cut. <laughs> they kept thinking. It was all free agents in the room. We didn't have one draft pick in the room. It's a tough thing joining a professional football team. A little silent treatment from the older guys is to be expected. But Ron didn't play by those rules. He'd step up, shake your hand, and make friends with anybody he thought might be worth his time. And sometimes that kindness would net him a ride to the liquor store. So that was good. Yeah, it was so much fun because he kept us all entertained. I remember uh, he and I and Tutal Jones, we just went driving one time up in the mountains. I'm in the back of the car with Tutal Jones and Ron Springs, just driving up in the mountains. We had nowhere to go. It was a Sunday. At the time, I had maybe been in the league like two years. So sometimes you had to pinch yourself. I don't care how many interceptions I had made. I was still like the baby of the group. Everson's right, he was a kid among men, but don't mistake that social modesty for athletic meekness. This is the Dallas Cowboys. You don't get to be on this team unless you've earned it. And Everson Walls was shockingly good. He's humble, and during our talk, he didn't say much about himself, so he called a couple of high-profile Dallas folks to get a little more perspective on the man they referred to as Cubby. You know, when you talk about old-school football, you know, and an old-school cornerback and a guy that basically said, whoever comes on this side, y'all don't have to worry about it. That's Oakland Raiders Hall of Fame wide receiver Tim Brown, a Dallas original who went to Woodrow Wilson High School. And by the way, he also won the Heisman Trophy at Notre Dame and in college, and he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So add it all up and you'll know he was great. He's a big guy, has long arms, and he has quick feet. That, that, to me, that was a, a terrible combination to go up against. And um, it was fun, it was challenging, man. And when I look back on it, certainly he was one of the toughest guys I ever faced. We also talked to Hall of Fame columnist Rick Goslin, who covered much of Everson's career with the Cowboys. Here's a guy that did things at the cornerback position that few people had done before or since. In, in 1981, he intercepted 11 passes to lead the league. Since then, 36 years, no player has intercepted as many as 11 interceptions. And in case you missed it, Everson did reach the final round of voting to make it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame just over a year ago. But we'll tell you that story later. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing the star where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going bank of america is proud to be the official bank of the dallas cowboys and to support the quest of living life the cowboys way copyright 2020 bank of america corporation want to use what the pros use how about the official men's skincare brand of the dallas cowboys jack black 
Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. For now, let's get back to the early 80s when Everson was still a small fish in a big pond. And Ron helped him navigate those waters in a really surprising way. Not because he had to. He just really liked Everson and Michael Downs. Ron talked about my car. I had a hand-me-down car that I had had since college. And it was so raggedy. The back of the front seat had to be held up by an adobe brick. <laughs> so the top half of the seat would fall backwards yes, and it wasn't held up by the yes, brick? Yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. That doesn't sound all that safe. Right? Well, hey man, this was the 80s, okay? <laughs> what was safe back in the 80s? You know, we were tough back then. He talks a big game, but Everson wasn't tough just because of the decade he grew up in. He had it tough growing up. He wasn't a frugal guy, but he was certainly smart with his money. So check this out. Listen to him telling me about this car. It was a Grande Mustang, 1972. Copper brown. Sweet. Sweet. Hey, I had a car, man. It made it back and forth. So my mentality, I'm a free agent. I'm still thinking like a free agent. I don't have time for luxury. Still staying home with mom. I'm not married. I got my girl. You know, we're fine. I got a job. Basically, how I looked at it, I have a job. So I didn't really feel that pressure until I went to work. The only time I go eat outside the home was when I hung out with Ron. So what he showed me was how to get the, the dealer cars. You know, you trade your tickets for dealer cars. And you know, so now I'm driving a new car, you know, let my girl drive my car, you know, so things start looking up a little bit, but it's, it's little by little. I'm still just turned 22 years old. We're both still very young. You know, mom, my mom's still young. So it was, it was a unique life that I know I was blessed to have. Did you catch that bit about Ron teaching Everson to trade tickets for a dealer car? You see, Ron wasn't just a mentor, he was a friend and an astute businessman too. But not many veterans would help the lowly, undrafted kids like Everson. Once a free agent, you always think like a free agent. Because they always look at you as one. They negotiate with you as a free agent. So you're always reminded of how you came into the league. So sometimes you'll get punished for outplaying your contract. To outplay one's contract means to simply provide more value on the team than your contract would imply. Like if a player was signed in the 80s for $10,000 and then scored 15 touchdowns that season, you'd say that player clearly outplayed their contract. I outplayed my contract my rookie year. Gil Brandt came to me and said, okay, we're gonna tear up your $30,000 contract. We're gonna tear up your upcoming 32-5. You're going to make 32.5 coming up. We're going to change it to 80,000 and we're going to give you a $30,000 signing bonus. How'd that sound, Everson? I said, that's not enough. I just came from the Pro Bowl. Ronnie Lott, Lester Hayes, they're making 150. 
And their bonus was way more than that $30,000 you are talking about giving me right now. So they thought I was stupid. And I was not going for that. So you outplay your contract and then you show some intellect. That does not go for a good relationship between any team and any player back in the 80s. It sounds cheap, but it's true. NFL teams don't really like to negotiate with their players. For 1980s Cowboy leadership, an undrafted free agent like Everson, who just happened to make the Pro Bowl, who now has a salary demand, he's a problem. But for a really good player that won't be intimidated by his friends, the establishment, or anyone else, maybe a player like Ron Springs, it's a quality that demands respect. So it wasn't too long before Ron was looking to meet Everson. And he was one of the few friends I've had that transcended the uh, team that we were on. You know, it went way past that. So he's one of the few. I mean, I've got a few. You know, Michael Downs and Dwight Hicks, guys like that. But, you know, we just started... Uh, inviting each other to, to our family events and things of that nature. And, you know, you just got to learn, you know, about his family. He got to know about my family. You know, of course, he acted the same everywhere he went. You know, and that's when we were having a bunch of uh, barbecues and things of that nature. We were, we really were a, off the field, we were a tight team. It's when you got in the locker room when things got tense, like I said, because everybody's pointing fingers at each other and things of that nature. So we just sometimes just couldn't wait to leave that locker room and just hang out and be friends. And, and Ron always, uh, to the, I wouldn't say dismay, but some of his older, the older teammates, they just really couldn't understand why he liked me so much. Sometimes, for some reason, some people just get along with others. It certainly seemed like Ron and Everson had that thing. But what about the tension in the locker room he was talking about? Did the other players have a problem with the young hotshot Everson Walls? No, I just wasn't their guy. I mean, I, mean, I was from a black you. school. I was always talking trash about black schools and black athletes and what's wrong with big schools. You know, they don't want to hear like crap all the time. Yeah. You know, Ron would always, he would, uh, how can I put it? He would uh, placate me, you know, and then tell me to shut up. And then we go on, you know, so, you know, we just... I had so many different ideals than some of those guys. I guess it, it makes sense. We just had different upbringings, totally different upbringings. And uh, I had, you know, with the, the like I said, the, the upbringing I had and then the, my experiences up to that point as well with the Cowboys, you know, nothing they did changed my mind about anything. So I was, like I said, I was ready for it. That was, that was, that was me. I was okay with that. And, you know, I didn't. I, I never hesitated to, to call out my teammates because I held them to the same standard that I held myself at. There's those different upbringings again, and it sounds like Ron was acutely aware of those differences. It wasn't unfair, it was just a matter of plain fact. And the fact was, Everson wanted everybody to be playing on the same level that he and Ron were, which was exceptional. But where did an undrafted kid this young get the confidence to hold others accountable? We were taught as kids to do it right. My dad taught me that, my mom taught me that. That's what we knew. So I always thought that fit in well as an athlete. If you do it right and it's a team game, we got a chance. So I always looked at it like that. And if you didn't want to give it like that, you know, then come on, man, we need you. I need you. And so sometimes that got on people's nerves. But Ron can handle it. Ron oh, no, Ron, no, Ron, Ron was, knew, you. Ron knew how to do it, but he would make them laugh. 
I wasn't, I, I wasn't funny. Well, at least he's laughing now. Clearly, Ron had the same issues with the team dynamic, but a few years on the team had given him just a little more perspective when it came to communication skills. Ron was funny. <laughs> Ron would say something like, man, what are you doing? Oh, you look like you look like three stooges out there, you know, Keystone Cops. You know, he'll say something stupid like that. And that made a big impression on Everson. Everybody's different, and everybody talks. Sometimes it's not just what you say that matters, but how you say it. And no doubt, he helped me adapt. In my own city, by the way. In my own city, he helped me adapt. Maybe that's why Ron and Everson got along so well. Growing up in Dallas and then playing in Dallas, odds are Everson never really had the perspective you need to survive in a locker room full of different people from different places. And for a few years, Ron helped him develop that skill set that he had. But all good things come to an end in one way or another. Ron left the Cowboys in... 85, because I remember when they built Valley Ranch. It was being built, and Ron told Doug Donnelly, well, Doug, we'll never see this place, because they gave us a tour as it was being built. He never made it to 85. He was in Tampa in 85. Yep, Ron Springs left the Cowboys in 1985 to go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Definitely not what he wanted. But it was even tougher on Everson. His friend was gone, just like that. And then the realities of football, the business side, really set in because just a few years later, Everson would leave the Cowboys to go play for the rival New York Giants. You missed Ron? I did, I did. And, and Ron, you know, Ron's one of those guys, kind of like my dad, they're not gonna show much emotion, uh, tough. He was always a, that tough guy. You know, they, they're not gonna hug you, nothing like that. So the one time Ron, one of the times that Ron called me from Tampa, this when I was in New York, and I was having that success, and I know he was happy for me, but the conversation went, why me? Like, why him? You know, because as he looked back, you know, he was amazing. Teammate-wise, anything the coaches asked him to do, he'd do it. And so he, he was trying to really display how disappointed he was and how things turned out for him. You know, how, why did he end up in Tampa? You know, he's a heck of a ball player. Why, why am I in Tampa? You know, why, why did I have these problems in, in the city of Dallas when all I did was try to do business in Dallas? Ron was a, basically a renaissance man. He wasn't just a good athlete, he was a good businessman. People recognized him for that. Uh, they recognized him as a leader and those kind of things. Uh, those are questions that he was asking me on that phone call, and that's when I was having a good, that good year in 90. He, he, you could see that we were, as a team, headed somewhere. And uh, that was a tough conversation. That was a tough phone call, because he was, he was uh, that's the first time he'd ever played to me like that. Ron Springs isn't the first person to look back on their NFL career and wonder, why me? And he certainly won't be the last. It's a funny thing, professional football. You can practice and practice and lift those weights and do what you think are all the right things. But you never really know how your career is going to go. Yeah, just hearing that, you know, of course, didn't blow him off at all. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to let people know that you are aware. And I let him know that I was aware of, you know, the stuff that he did for all of us. Dorset. Uh, Tony Hill, Butch Johnson, Billy Joe Dupree, Tom Landry. I'm telling you, Tom Landry enjoyed being around him. Everyone enjoyed having him around. So once again, the question was, why me? 
And I thought that was a very good question. Unfortunately, Everson didn't have any answers. Nobody did. Timmy Newsom had proved to be a capable fullback and he was cheaper. It's probably as simple as that. That's why Ron was allowed to leave as a free agent. He played two seasons after signing with Tampa Bay, but didn't get re-signed after the 86 season, so he decided it was finally time to retire. Ron Springs ended his football career with 2,519 rushing yards and almost 250 catches, with a hearty 28 touchdowns from the fullback position to boot. He moved to Ohio to work in the business end of construction, but he kept an eye on his very good friend, Everson Walls. But he drove down from uh, Ohio from Cleveland all the way down to Tampa to see the game. He was not going to miss his boy playing that game. So he can talk all the trash he wants. He used to tease me about, you ain't this, you ain't that, you'll never be as good as I was. We'd always talk trash to each other. He drove all the way down. He drove all the way down. He got sick from, from the drive. Yeah, he sure did. He got sick from the drive. And uh, yeah, he was there for me. He didn't get to come to the game because he got sick. But no, he came down for me and, and, of course, the family. Because at that point, you know, Ron, Ron is he's family, Adrian's family. Our kids are, you know, at that time we had uh, both had young kids. Yeah, we had both had our two young kids. And, you know, they were, they were even hanging together at that age. So, uh, yeah, seeing him there kind of completed everything because all my people came. And so with him being there, yeah, that, that kind of sewed everything up right there. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek, and we're both with... United Ag and Turf, the official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit unitedagandturf.com. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. That big game Everson Walls is talking about, it's the 1990 Super Bowl. Finally. The Giants faced off against the Buffalo Bills in Super Bowl 25, and they won. 
Everson ended up on the cover of SI and netted himself that elusive Super Bowl ring that every NFL player strives for. It was a huge and somewhat ironic moment for him. And that story, that whole leaving the Cowboys to go sign with the Giants and then win a Super Bowl ring, that story, we got for you. We will tell it. But for this story's purpose, suffice to say that Ron was going to be there to watch his best friend play in the biggest game ever. But wait a second. Didn't Everson say something about Ron getting sick on the way down? What was that about? When Ron and I both had retired, I ended up retiring in 93, and Ron ended up moving back down to Dallas. He wanted his kids to grow up in Dallas. They moved back down, Ron's setting up everything, you know, we started working together. Uh, we were promoting events, doing a great job, having a good time, me and him together all the time. You know, we're together all the time. So uh, I could see that uh, his physical abilities were uh, waning a little bit. And when I say that, I mean even reading. You know, I know people, you know, sometimes they, their eyes go bad, but it just seemed to be so swift because it, you know, just a year ago you were reading just fine. Now you can't read that. Wasn't that old when you know, no, 40, no, no, we weren't even in our 40s yet, I don't believe. That's what I'm saying. We weren't even in our 40s yet. Also, we play basketball uh, as part of our promotions as well. Now, we're getting a little older, but, you know, we still got game. Still got game, yeah, so, but he didn't. He was always that, that guy, the bell chest, the, the lean legs, agile. You know, he can put it up with either hand. He, he was good. And he was just, I don't know if he was being lazy or, but it, it just seemed like he was weak. Ron was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in 1990, a tough diagnosis for any former athlete to take and an even harder thing to tell other athletes who are your buddies about. And eventually, Ron would tell Everson about the diagnosis, but he didn't tell him how bad it was. We knew diabetes was the cause of it, but you just don't know how serious it is. he didn't it tell is. you, right? No. For the longest period of time. Nope. Nope. And I'm not, I'm not surprised. Because he didn't want your relationship to change. You're the your boys. You're hanging out. You're well, men. You do what I, men do. I don't think it had anything to do with our relationship as much as it just, he's one of those guys and we know a bunch of them. Just foolish pride. Just foolish pride. That's all it is to it. Didn't want to tell anybody. Not even family. I mean, Adrian knew, but don't tell anybody. It's a tough story to hear. Sometimes it's easier to hide the bad news from the people who love you. Sometimes it seems easier to cope with the bad on your own, or so it seems. But you can't hide from yourself. And then all of a sudden things just start happening. He, you know, he lost, a, he lost a toe. You know, he lost a toe. Like, what, what you, you lost a toe? Who, how do you lose a toe? You know, I didn't have, I knew about diabetes, but growing up, that's not what my family dealt with. We have high blood pressure, things of that nature. That's not our cross to bear. Just so happened it's his family's. When did he tell you? I mean, did he tell you, oh, by the way, I... Well, when they, when they lost the toe, he really tried to downplay it, like, like a toenail, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just they just shaved it. Like, well, shaved whatever. it? Shaved it. I believe that's the term. Yeah, that's the term he used. Made it sound real benign, no big deal. I wish I could tell you right here that things got better. I wish I could tell you that losing a toe scared the crap out of Ron, that he told Everson everything and eventually got healthy and that everything worked out in the end. I really wish I could tell you that. So, you know, we're still taking care of business, you know. We're still going around doing some things and I could just, like I said, he, he stopped being able to see the pages. 
And so uh, it just started to happen real fast. It just started to happen real fast. One toe, his toes going. When he, when he lost his foot, then uh, you could see depression setting in. Uh, that that got him. That got him. I wouldn't even say it's a black man thing. It's a man thing. You know, we don't. Everybody, you know, they don't. They just don't want that. They don't want you looking at them differently. Well, and also, and I it's think a man he's football a, player thing too. Oh, no doubt. That's just a whole nother layer. And then you have to look at it like this. Uh, you know, he was somewhat afraid as well. So fear makes you do a lot of things in, in sometimes illogical ways. When he got his foot cut off, he got a little bit depressed. And it took him about a month. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if it was prayer, you know, because Ron was actually very spiritual, his whole, both sides of the family. But he came out of the hospital uplifted. And the first thing he said to me was, Walls, let's go work out. You know, I want to be ready for when I get that transplant. Because he knew he, by that time he knew he was going to need one. Ron Springs ended up losing his right foot and a couple of toes on his left foot before he was finally released from the hospital. But his disease wasn't close to done. The damage diabetes did to Ron's body rendered one of his kidneys essentially useless. And he was immediately placed on dialysis and put on the national transplant list in hopes that a match could be found. Now all they had to do was wait and hope. You know, he was already in a wheelchair because he lost a foot. And even though uh, he hadn't got his prosthesis yet, he was still trying to get up and do some things on the one foot as far as transferring from his chair, wheelchair to the, uh, the workout machine. So that's how we worked out. You know, that, that, so he was like, he was up, he was upbeat all the time. I mean, you know, we went through some pretty intimate things. I mean, he needed help doing some things I never thought I'd help a guy do before. But hey, man, I'm, you know, that's the stuff you worry about when you're 20-something. Yeah, this, we 40-something years old, but now it's, you know, I got to take care of my boy. He needs help. So it was seamless. You know, he had to do what he had to do. Uh, he didn't feel anything bad about it. No, no foolish pride about that. By this time, he's ready for whatever's going to happen to happen. And so he was really back to the old Ron Springs. And it's tough to say how much of this was a front or a put on. You know, sometimes folks who aren't doing so well can put on a brave face and fool people. But I like to think Everson knew Ron well enough to know he was telling the truth. Despite the hardship, despite the disease, and despite the losses, the old Ron Springs was back. Now he just needed a kidney. And the rumors are true, the national transplant list is a long one. So they waited and waited and waited. When he's put on this list, I believe the doctor said he only had five years. Mm -hmm. Where are we now? Three. Three. So we got a year and a Three half. Three years have passed. A year and a half left. Yeah. For someone to come. And then when you say five years, you know, it's not like, you know, you can just, you know, go in and say, okay, four years and, and, and Right. It's my yeah, time. yeah. It's you know, by that time it's gonna be tougher to take whatever you gotta take. A lot of damage has each day more damage. You know, each day more dialysis. Ron's health continued to get worse, but to hear Everson tell it, he was still in high spirits. He'd go to his dialysis sessions and make everybody there smile and laugh, even though deep down Everson knew he was hating it. And it was scary. It was classic Ron. 
And luckily that good nature didn't just earn him favor of the people around him. Ron had real people in his corner. Well, he had two relatives. Chris was a relative, uh, he was a, a cousin, I believe. And Chris and, and Ron were of the same make, the same build, the same skin color. You know, you, you could tell they were family. And uh, so you would think they would be compatible, which they were. But Chris had kidney problems. Chris didn't know he had kidney problems if he came, until he came down to get tested to donate. And then he finds out about his own kidney problems. And then he had a, uh, a niece that was going to give. Well, she got pregnant. And we think we should take a moment here to acknowledge that this was absolutely nobody's fault and nobody should ever feel pressure to volunteer for something like this. It is a life-changing, dangerous procedure with great risk, no matter what. And Ron was lucky to have people in his life to step up. It just seems the timing of things simply wasn't on his side. When he told me about her, that's when we were working out and that's when I immediately stopped lifting. And uh, I tell people all the time, I used to get mad about a lot of stuff. I was a crybaby when I was a kid. I used to get mad about everything, you know, because I was spoiled, my mom spoiled me to death. And so if something didn't go right, I'd get angry. And, but sometimes anger is a good thing. And that prompted me right there to move forward with this. At that moment, I made up my mind. I immediately got up off the, uh, the bench and I said, hey man, what is happening? Like, what is going on? I said, man, I said something like, do I have to do everything around here? Because at that time I had always started working out with him and I was just making a joke, kind of. But it's like, man, I said, give me the number. Give me the doctor's number. Who do I have to call? Give me the number. You know, let me, let me take a whack at this. What's your blood type? Oh, positive, me too. Boom, let's go from there. You know, of course, it's more than that, but that's a good. That's the start. Early on, Ron and Everson became friends, and uh, the, the families became friends. That's Michael Downs. He played safety on the Cowboys from 1981 to 88, and he and Everson came into the league as undrafted free agents together, and they were very good friends, and they still are today. So he didn't mind at all weighing in on memories of Everson and Ron. And Everson told me that when he was, uh, you know, deciding whether to do it or not, he thought about Adrian, you know, Ron's wife. You know, it was more than just playing football together. I'm ready, man. We've done everything. I'm so ready. Man, I'm going to fix my boy up. No second thoughts or nothing. I had already told the family they got surprised a little bit, so I, I smoothed things out with everybody. Got my affairs in order. Let's do this, man. Oh my goodness. Take care of my boy. So Everson went to the hospital and he got checked. And he and Ron were a match. And he didn't even give it a second thought. Everson was giving a kidney to his friend Ron. And to hear him tell it now, it's almost no surprise. But at that time, it was hard to believe a friendship like that was even real. Talk to his doctor. I'll never forget this meeting. Oh my God, this appointment. With his doctor, it was, I think it was Ron's doctor, I can't remember, maybe it was my doctor. And it was two weeks before the surgery. So the doctor was concerned that with the publicity, because you don't really get much publicity with kidney donation. He's, he's, he was afraid that I was being unduly pressured by the media, which was nothing further from the truth. He said, I will say anything you want me to say so that you can save face. 
That's what he said. He was giving you an out. He was giving me he, an out. He sensed that you possibly needed an out. He did. Mm -hmm. And I just let him know, Doc, I'm good, man. I said, don't scare me like that. I thought something was wrong. And with that, they're off to surgery. So it went smooth? It was smooth. You got, came out of surgery? They said, you came were fine. Saying, you yeah. said... And he was already eating food. Were you in the same, same room? Same day. No, no. I couldn't have been in his room. He was making too much noise. Well, thank goodness it all worked out. Now, what's that noise coming out of Ron's room? Everybody's in Ron's room. Everybody's in Ron's room. I wake up to no one. <laughs> Everybody's... I mean, here I am. I sacrificed all of this. Man. You I could have died, too. Right, I could be dead now. You guys in there partying. I could have had some problems. Man, they... I remember going in there, man. The funniest thing ever happened was he said... Uh, he was talking... He was eating, like, salmon and food. He was eating... They told me I couldn't have anything but uh, oatmeal and, and yogurt. And I was upset about that. Because, you know, I was hurting. When you lose something, you could feel that on that donate. You could feel it. Now, you're going to be covered, but it is clear that you have lost something when you wake up. Well, no surprise there. Of course you can feel it. But Everson wasn't worried about losing a kidney. He gained a connection with another person that most of us never get. He gained a brother and saved a friend. He, he's going, whoa, hey man, come on in here. And I tell people all the time, it's the closest he's ever come to saying he loves me. He didn't, he didn't say it, but the look, he was smiling. I, I had never seen him smile. I hadn't I'm seen alive. him smile. I'm alive. And I'm talking shit again. <laughs> there it is. Same old Ron and same old Everson, minus an organ. He was having so much fun. And uh, I recall, uh, looking at his face and before before surgery uh the infect you know you, you have an infection you know when your kidney's not right the infection comes out in your skin and your eyes so i guess his eyes were jaundiced and uh it was gone it was gone of course it would take a little bit of time for them to make a full recovery but they did everson was released from the hospital later that day and soon after ron would get out too the two of them would get back to their usual shenanigans in their own time. And remember that media attention Ron's doctor had been sweating? Rest assured, people heard about their story. Here's Tim Brown recalling when he heard the news. For him to go through uh, with the surgery and to give his kidney, one of his kidneys to, to Ron, um, that's Hall of Fame worthy right there by itself, bro. <laughs> you know, I know, you know, with the Hall of Fame, it's all about what you do on the field, man. But uh, to have a man to do that for, for a friend, uh, to try and keep him alive, even for the few years that he was able to do that, uh, I just think that is uh, an amazing, amazing deal. He showed, you know, some courage and confidence and, and faith more so than a lot of guys. And it wasn't, you know, like his baby brother or anything. It was just a friend. That makes it uh, more important you know, to do something like that for somebody. Tim and Michael Downs both make great points, but at the end of it all, I had to know how Everson felt about the whole thing after it was all said and done. Did he have any regrets? Was it all worth it? It's funny. When I ever think about my last days, kidney never comes into the equation. It, I don't know, I always think of something else. I guess because I take my checkups and everything's fine and everything looks good and I try to stay strong, but uh, but it never worries me. It never worries me. 
it doesn't, it doesn't occupy my mind too much. You know, you just want to always be there for some people that have always been there for you and uh, that you know, you know, there are times when they might need you and they won't even say it. So you just got to be there all the time anyway. Everyone that hears Ron's name, the first thing they do is look up in the air and smile because they know something funny or crazy that he did. It's a pretty good legacy. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. A lost kidney for a full heart. When it comes to the people we truly care about the most, that's a trade I'm sure most of us would be willing to make. At least we think we would. Everson Walls clearly did. Because Everson and Ron didn't just share a kidney, and they aren't just a couple of football players. What they are, and always will be thought of, are Dallas Cowboys. <laughs>